Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Soundbite Gospel. I'm your host, Travis Hayes, and this is episode 21. This is part three of our series called You Thought, and I'm going to call an audible. Last week, I said I was going to knock it down to three instead of four. I'm going back. We're doing four next week, and you will find out maybe by the end of this episode what that is. If not, we'll just leave it a cliffhanger. But quickly on to today's episode because we've got a lot of ground to cover. We are talking about the book of Revelation. I wanted to do a subtitle um, called Horrors, Beasts, and Dragons, Oh My. Um, I thought that would be kind of interesting, but we'll go with the simple Revelation for now. We'll see which one I decide on later. Uh, So this can be a really scary and really um, daunting book to come upon because it seems like the rest of scripture, you know, when you go into the Hebrew scriptures or in the Christian New Testament, I mean, it's most of it is fairly um, you can grasp for the most part, maybe some studying and whatnot. Revelation just seems like a daunting task. I mean, you get to it and you're like, what is going on here? Um, so fun facts before we get too deep into it. Um, the author of Revelation, the guy named John, he is exiled to a land of Patmos. Scholars are kind of split on the idea of it being John the disciple or just John, uh, a different John. Um, but most people do call him like John the seer uh, or John the visionary or something like that. Scholars are kind of split between whether or not this book was written during the Roman emperor of Nero during the mid first century or Domitian, which was kind of after Nero during the late century. Uh, I personally land on Nero just because of certain um, symbolisms and certain things that I think the book's trying to communicate, and maybe that will be revealed in some of what we're going to talk about. Um, And the really interesting thing is Revelation actually barely even made it into the canon as the Bible as we know it because of its highly symbolic nature and just weirdness. People like Martin Luther and John Calvin actually did not like the book at all and did not want to teach from it and did not want to be a part of the Christian faith. Um, So those are just some interesting facts I thought about Revelation. So don't feel like you were weird or that you have to have this all figured out because it has for you know, 1,500 years, this has been a debated topic on the book of Revelation. And so I'm going to be honest with you, for the longest time, I did not know how to approach this book. I didn't really want to, and I was just scared to know really um, what it was trying to speak to me. But I've learned that it's a beautiful, inspiring, hopeful letter, and there's so much more going on than when you first read it. And so we have to ask the question, what is it? Well, I've kind of learned over time that the better question is not what is it, but what is it not, if that's the right grammar. Um, And I'm going to be honest with you, this is probably where I'm going to lose some people. Um, But I don't believe that the book of Revelation is a blueprint for the future. Um, I don't think that it is a description of future events as far as, um, for the most part, uh, like a detailed decoding uh, blueprint I, I, if you if you will um, you know the idea of rapture is nowhere in book of revelation the character the antichrist is not explicitly really in the book of revelation either um, and so this may be a surprise to you because of you know things like left behind and rapture and dispensationalism and all that good stuff um, but those things actually aren't in the book of Revelation. Um, and it's also not a call to religious violence, which many people have tried to do. 
Um, so I may have lost a couple of you there, but please stick with me. Um, this is not heresy. This is not anything new. Um, this is something that people have known for a long time. Now, with that said, we can answer what revelation is. And revelation, in simple terms, means revealing. It's not a scary word. It just means unveiling, revealing. And it's, a, it's an exposing a truth about a present reality. And Revelation is a type of literature in Jewish culture called apocalyptic literature. Now, apocalypse, um, apocalyptic, that sounds like end times, Armageddon, all that good stuff. No, apocalypse, apocalyptic just means um, that it's highly symbolic um, Jewish propaganda. Um, and it uses 250 Hebrew scripture references in the symbolic language of back in Daniel. And so if you go into the Hebrew scriptures through Daniel about chapter seven onward, you get once again, more apocalyptic. It's all highly symbolic, not really meant to be taken literal. It is a, it pre represents a present reality um, and something um, of a hopeful future. And so Amy Jill Levine, who is a biblical scholar actually says this about it. The point of apocalyptic text is not to predict the future. It is to provide comfort in the present. The Bible is not a book of teasers in which God has buried secrets to be revealed three millennia later. And so we have to kind of shift our perspective on this book. It is a real letter, just like every other thing written in the Bible. It is a real letter, real text, real documents written to real people in real times. And so when we think of it as decoded future, we're diminishing the power and the reality of what this meant to the original audience. If this, if this book was about trying to decode all these future events, it meant nothing to the churches that John was writing to because it didn't apply to them. And so I feel like we're doing it injustice to try to conjure up all these crazy theories about what Revelation is. You know, to the churches that John is writing to, Revelation is a letter of hope. It's a direct slap in the face of Roman emperor rule. And throughout the entire book, you can see that it's rhetoric taken from Rome about Caesar. I mean, when, when they're saying, you know, the angels are saying, holy, 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 um, is the Lord God Almighty. That's what they would say to Caesar. Um, that, that's what Roman citizens would say about Caesar. Holy, 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 you know, is Caesar. And, you know, saying Caesar is king. And then John is saying, no, Jesus is king. And they would even call Caesar the son of God. And John's like, no, Jesus is the son of God. He is the slain lamb who is here to redeem the world. And so to say Jesus is king is to say that Caesar is not. To claim allegiance to the slaughtered lamb is to defy the allegiance to Rome is to defy the allegiance to the beast. This is propaganda. This is basic Jewish apocalyptic propaganda literature. And it's so beautiful and it's so inspiring. And so what do we do with Revelation? What do we do with this? How can we apply this letter, this mystic symbolic um, propaganda to our own lives? And we will answer this question after a quick word from our sponsor. All right, and we're back. 
Okay, we need now that we've answered the question in a very general statement of what is revelation, what is it not? How do we apply it to our own lives? How do we take something that was written almost 2000 years ago to us? How does it apply to us? And so to do that, I feel like we need to pull out some anchor text. These are some texts within Revelation that if we do not look at the book through these lenses, then I think we will miss the point and the power of this book. And so I'm gonna read them off just kind of in sequential order. I will reference them so you guys can look through it. Um, and so the first one is Revelation 1, 5. And from Jesus, the anointed, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the archon of the kings of the earth, to the one who has loved us and has loosed us from our sins by his blood. So this is telling us that Jesus is king. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, and he is the faithful witness. Um, next one is Revelation 5, 12. Uh, it says, saying with a loud voice, the suckling lamb who has been slaughtered is worthy to be received the power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This is the power of the lamb. This is what God, what Jesus uses to conquer. And that is the meekness of lamb power. Um, he deserves our might. He, he deserves the might and the honor and the glory. Um, then, then we skip all these other chapters and go towards the end of Revelation 21. And so this one's a little bit more lengthy, but this is Revelation 21, 1 through 6. And I saw a new sky and a new earth, for the first sky and the first earth have passed away and the sea is no longer. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven from God, made ready like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, the tabernacle of God is with human beings and he will be he and he will tabernacle with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and no longer will there be death. No longer will there be sorrow or lamentation or pain for the first things have passed away. And the one who sat upon the throne said, look, I am, I make all things new. And he said, right, because these words are trustworthy and true. And he said, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the one who thirsts. I will give freely from the fountain of life's water. This is God recreating the new Jerusalem, the new earth, the new heavens, everything is being made new and being restored. And, and then we skip over to 22 uh, verses 1 through 3. And he showed me a river of life's water, bright as crystal, coming forth from the throne of God and the suckling lamb. In the middle of her street and on either side of the river was a tree producing twelve harvests of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for a healing of the Gentiles. And no longer will there be anything accursed. And the throne of God and the suckling lamb will be therein, as his, and his slaves will worship him. This is the new creation. All is being restored. All things are coming under the footstool of God. Everything is being made new. And finally, my, probably one of my favorite verses throughout all of Revelation is 22, 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who thirsts come. Let the one who wishes take freely of the water of life. This is the new Jerusalem with healing rivers and healing water for all nations, for all people, and her gates will never be shut. 
these anchor texts that we just read. That was Revelation 1, 5, 5, 12, 21, 1 through 6, 22, 1 through 3, and 22, 17. These are our anchor texts. These reveal that Jesus, the slaughtered lamb, rules through peace and nonviolence, and that his kingdom will rule forever. All of creation will be restored, and all of humankind will be welcomed to the healing city where the gates are never shut. And so the question you may be asking, is it about the past, the present, or future? And my answer to you is yes. It is about the past. It was written for real people in real time. It is about right now, about our present, about our present reality. And it is about the future because there will always be a beast. There will always be isms. There will always be imperialism. There will always be power structures that look to oppress people. And there will always be a need for hope, a hope for the new Jerusalem, a hope for the new city that the, its gates are never shut. It calls us to lay down our civil religion, our isms, our allegiance to anything other than the way of Christ. One of my favorite books about Revelation is by Michael Gorman, and it's titled Reading Revelation Responsibly. And he says this, Revelation imaginatively reveals the nature of any and all systems that oppose the ways of God in the world, especially as revealed in Christ, the Lamb who was slaughtered, those systems are not limited to particular future powers, but are found in all places and times. We should therefore be examining our ideologies and isms for manifestations of idolatry and immorality, as expressed in imperialism, militarism, nationalism, racism, classism, corporate self and the de degradation of the corporate other, consumerism and hedonism, the worship of things and pleasure. This means we must especially examine our Western Northern American and even Christian systems and values, not some punitive one world government for evidences of that which is antichrist. And so Revelation does not have to be this scary book, this scary mysterious book. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be a book of unknown secrets that have to be decoded with numerology and current world events. It can be an anthem of hope and allegiance to the slaughtered lamb that is Jesus. And as Rachel Held Evans puts it in her book, Inspired, fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be defeated. Jesus is king and he has conquered death and sin and Hades. And there is nothing in this world. There's nothing in hell. There's nothing on the other side that can separate us from his love. And the hope is that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, of beings heavenly and earthly and subterranean should bend. And every tongue gladly confess that Jesus the anointed is Lord for the glory of God the Father. Then there you have it. <laughs> Revelation, it is, we could probably do a 10 part series on Revelation. Um, there's so much, and I feel like we literally did not even a 30,000 foot view. I, th I feel like we did a 300,000 foot view above this book, and I just wish we could dive so much more into it, um, but we just don't have the time for that. I wish I could, but hey, I know some of this may be new, so I want to provide you with some further reading. 
and all will be uh, that will be made in the show notes um, so you can dive more into uh, this journey of what revelation um, can mean to you in your life and how we can apply that right here and right now and a hope for a better future and so next week will be the final installment of the you thought series and we're going to be tackling probably the most misinterpreted parable of jesus and you will have to wait to find out what it is next time and may his spirit love and shalom be in and with you my friends until next time